Amen. Let's turn to our Bibles in Acts, the book of Acts, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I must have said that like a hundred times in this congregation, but hey, just in case you've forgotten, Acts, one of my favorite books. We're going to be in Acts chapter one. You know, I picked up a story of uh, um, a New Year's Day parade. And this New Year's Day parade had everything. It had marching bands, it had uh, lights, fireworks, it had massive floats. Uh, and I've ever seen these parades where they're massive floats. They're actually uh, vehicles covered up and they've got like uh, stages on vehicles. So as they're going, the vehicle is literally driving along in this massive, massive float. Uh, but on this particular New Year's Day parade... Uh, um, one of the largest floats towards the beginning of the parade um, just came to an abrupt halt, just conked out. Um, and what they realized is they ran out of petrol. So they had to literally wait there. The, 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 the whole parade was held up uh, because this one ran out of petrol. Uh, so they had to wait for somebody to go get a can of petrol, uh, put it in there so they can continue on. The irony is uh, the float belonged to a petrol company. So here they are describing or, or, or showing their works of we have petrol, this is what we do, and they themselves run out of fuel. And I say that because sometimes uh, we look at Christians uh, um, who should have uh, a power from on high, but they're living their life as though they have no fuel. They're living their life as if there is no power. They're functioning as if God did stay in the grave. Come on now. I picked up another thing. There's three kinds of Christian. The first one is a rowerboat Christian. And this is a Christian who struggles with their own strength. And they take a rest after all that rowing. Only to realize when they're resting, the current has taken them back to where they first started. That's the rowerboat Christian. The second one is a sailboat Christian. And this Christian enjoys the good time when the wind is there, they're blowing, they're letting the wind do all of the work. Uh, but then when the wind ceases, they're stuck, can't go nowhere. And then there's the third one, the steam-powered Christian. Uh, and this is the Christian that takes the water of the world, combines it with the fire of the Holy Spirit uh, and has consistent power regardless uh, of where or what happens, regardless of the weather. Which Christian... Uh, are you this evening? I want to continue a series. We're talking about uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the, the series is called Power On. Uh, last couple of weeks, we spoke about a few things. In this series, we spoke about uh, uh, the purpose of the Holy Spirit uh, being God's power to your life personally. Um, we also speak, spoke about the roles of the Holy Spirit, how he's, there, he's meant to be present in your life, how he's meant to be providing conviction and also guidance. Well, today I want to speak about uh, Holy Spirit witnesses, how we should be a witness for Jesus Christ. Listen to a quote I found from a man named Howard Hendricks. He's a professor. He says, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. I don't know if you look at the news and you look at what uh, uh, the, the, the Christian world is doing right now, but we're looking at a generation that is screaming for answers. People are confused, don't know what to do, don't know where to go, what is truth. Uh, and we see the Christians or the church, quote unquote, the church uh, stuttering. The church of England is the church of this land, if you didn't know. 
but they are stuttering. They should be declaring what is the truth, uh, but they instead uh, are compiling their own religion. I don't even know what it is anymore. I don't even know if to call it Christianity anymore. Because it isn't the Christianity of the Bible. So we're going to look at this um, right here, right now. And let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse number 4. We're going to start here and it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. And here it is, verse number eight, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want to firstly consider with you as we look at this subject, the point of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit in modern Christianity, uh, there is an error happening. If you see, there is a problem with, I mean, some people even deny the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different ballgame. But some Christians or some circles, they reduce the Holy Spirit down to just a feeling. They reduce the presence of the Holy Spirit to feel a certain way. And the works of the Holy Spirit can now be characterized by how people felt. And people are paying attention to how people feel instead of paying attention to what actually did the Holy Spirit do. And it's important to understand the difference because in this world we live in, there are some odd manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you may come across these in yourself. You may have seen yourself. Dare I say, maybe been to a church where this has happened, where there is a manifestation. They call it the laughing revival, where they say the Holy Spirit came and moved and the whole congregation just laughs uncontrollably. I saw a preacher, man, just walks by somebody, just burst out laughing, laughing, laughing uncontrollably. They have a revival where people bark like dogs. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. People would be barking dogs saying, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're barking like dogs. I've seen ones where they say it's a drunken spirit. So that I'm filled with the Spirit. So now I'm acting like a drunk and I'm staggering. I can't even keep my words. I'm slurring my words. And I've heard people rolling on the floor all over from one end of the church to the other end of the church. Just rolling on the floor talking about this is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on and on. Now listen, I'm not against feelings. Listen, I love feelings. Feelings are great. They're designed by God. But after all of that laughing and rolling around, what was the impact of the Holy Spirit? What did he actually do? What did he actually change? What did he come to do? Listen, we need to understand that one of the outflows of the Holy Spirit, the one of the, 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 the things we can identify the Holy Spirit is that we become a witness for Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit gets to moving in people's hearts and people's lives, we become a witness. Verse 8 of our text says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word witness, witness is a judicial term. It's one of those terms that says it's one who bears record or shows or tells about something they've seen or heard. And the power is to accompany those being a witness. 
We're not meant to have power for the sake of power. It is to accompany us being a witness. And we need power because we are to witness in a hostile environment. How many of the world is a hostile place when you mention the power of Jesus Christ? We already know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers, principalities, and rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We understand that. So in order to combat that, we need to have the power that will accompany our witness. I want to read to you Acts chapter, uh, verse, chapter 19, excuse me, verse number 11. It says here, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. What a powerful witness for Jesus Christ that is. Verse number 13 says, Then some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists, look at these words, says, took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches and skip down to verse number 15 it says and the evil spirits answered and said Jesus I know Paul I know but who are you and then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on him and here it says overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded you see they overpowered them why because they themselves didn't have power needed in order to witness for Jesus Christ. We're going into a hostile environment that is the world, that is our family, that is our workplace and we need the power otherwise we, we will become overcome just like these. And I love the word power, the word that we know the Greek word for that is dunamis where we get our English word dynamic or even more explosive dynamite. And without that, we can't do it. Without that power, we can't function. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no power to change lives. Look at Peter before the day of Pentecost. When it came down to it, when the push comes to shove, when the dust was settled, he denied Jesus Christ three times. But then after the power, after Pentecost came, he declared Jesus Christ. And that's where lives changed. The point is, it was the power that made the difference. The power is not just for ourselves. The power that we have is to take into the world. In John chapter 1, it gives us a job description of John the Baptist. And here we see in John 1 verse number 6, and it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came for a witness, to bear witness of that light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. John had the spirit of God inside of him and he had the power to be a witness in a generation that wasn't looking for Christ. He was the one swimming against the tide and he was able to do that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand if we're going to function in any level as a Christian, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, not just to have a super a supernatural experience in ourselves. Listen, the Holy Spirit wasn't just uh, didn't just come just for you to have a nice experience. The Holy Spirit is there for you to go out and be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, "I'm sending this helper. The Father is sending the helper so He can help you be a witness for Me." We don't want to just settle for a nice experience. 
We don't want to just settle for, uh, uh, oh, the Holy Spirit moved. Oh, I felt good. I felt the Holy Spirit. Listen, like I said, it's nice, but there has to be more than that. There has to be more than just feeling a certain way and having a nice bubbly feeling inside. There has to be something that spills over. When Jesus Christ spoke to the woman of the world, he says, listen, I give people living water. That water is designed to spill over. It's not just designed to be for you and you alone. And I love the fact that the power is for anyone here. The power isn't just for a select few. The power is for absolutely every. You know, in the early church, the church suffered persecution and they were scattered, scattered the Bible says, from the Jews and also at the hands of Saul before he was converted to Paul. He was persecuting the church. And in Acts chapter 8, we're told that believers of Christ were scattered into all regions except the apostles. And in verse number 4 of Acts 8, it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It says, those who were scattered. Who are those? The Bible doesn't even mention their names. And I'm encouraged by that because the those can be me and you tonight. If we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can literally go and preach Jesus. And there can be divine change. There can be divine transformation. In an evil world, we can stand up and be a witness for truth. With idolatry and many gods and many different religions, we can stand up and declare there is one true living God. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can turn this world upside down. It said, therefore, those who were scattered went and preached everywhere. Listen, it's not just for a select few. This is for anyone who believes. The Holy Spirit is not just reduced to a feeling, although that's great. It is power to do wonderful and mighty exploits for God. I want to look secondly with you at the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, produces boldness. Now this is a personal testimony of mine because uh, without the power of the Holy Spirit, um, I would still be the scared, timid, uh, slightly overweight young man who served Jesus Christ. Because the power of the Holy Spirit gives boldness. I'm able to go up and speak to people. I'm able to declare the word of Jesus Christ. I'm able to stand up in a generation that doesn't hail Jesus Christ as Lord and declare it. The Holy Spirit gives boldness. Listen, it is an absolute joke that I'm here preaching the gospel because if you'd have known me before, I wouldn't have been able to keep eye contact with you. So to stand up and be able to preach is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. When I go out on the streets and I speak to people, I can look them in the eye and give them the gospel, not because I'm anything special, but because the Holy Spirit can bring out a boldness in us. The Holy Spirit can make us do things that the world will be scared to do. The Holy Spirit brings out boldness. Look at Acts 4 and verse number 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to do the work, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is brings out or produces a stirring. 
Now, the natural result of the power of the Holy Spirit is a desire to see souls saved. It's a desire to preach the truth. When you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have a desire to tell somebody about what's happened to you. You have a desire to tell somebody about what you've heard and what you have seen. It reminds me of the prophet Jeremiah. He, his message was not well received. The Bible says that people mocked him. People jeered him. It wasn't well received. And there came a time where he said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to preach the word of God anymore. In Jeremiah 20 and verse number 9, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him anymore. But then it says, nor speak of his name anymore. But his word was uh, in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. And I could not. When you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, there should be a stirring inside of you. There should be something inside of you when you see injustice in the world. You see slavery to sin. There should be something churning inside you to say, I need to stand up and tell someone about the love of Jesus Christ. When you see somebody bound in sin, bound to addiction, there should be something inside of you that says, no, I know somebody that can set you free. I know somebody that can can give you a new lease on life. You need to have a, a stirring inside of you. And I want you to be stirred tonight because when the Holy Spirit gets to moving, His people get stirred to do wonderful, mighty things for God that you will go out on the streets, even if you're on your own, and declare that Jesus Christ is alive and well and He can be your Lord and Savior. There should be something burning inside of you. The Holy Spirit isn't just there, just that, oh yeah, the Spirit was good, we, we sung songs. There should be a fire. Jeremiah said, listen, no one's listening. I can't do this no more. I'm not going to make mention. But he said something was burning. He couldn't hold it back. The Holy Spirit should produce a stirring. And also the Holy Spirit uh, should direct our witness. And when I go on outreach... I go on outreach, I go on into a town, or if we go into impact team, sometimes I say, I've said it to my wife as well, we say the same thing. Sometimes we look out and there's like a sea of people. There's just people about there, like just doing life. And sometimes you look at you, you're thinking, where do I begin? Who do I start with? And that's why before I go on outreach, I pray. I'm like, God. Show me, direct me, because sometimes this involves divine appointments that God can send you to an exact person, an exact moment in time that God can use you to touch somebody who who just maybe the day before was asking or praying. God can use you to make a divine appointment. We know the story in Acts chapter 8 when Philip was sent down the road to preach to an Ethiopian. It says, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza there is this is a desert so he rose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under uh, cadence the queen of the Ethiopians uh, who had a uh, charge over all her tr- treasury had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. In verse number 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. 
The Holy Spirit should direct our witness. And we're not just going to be just firing out there. Listen, we understand we want everybody to get saved. But we understand not everybody is going to get saved. So we need to be directed to whom God has prepared. You know, I picked up a story of a man in our fellowship. He used to be, um, he used to be a Catholic. He used to go to a Catholic church. And he was just tired of the, 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 the lethargy, just tired of the no life. And he said, God, if you're real... God, if you're real, give me a sign. He's praying in a Catholic church. God, if you're real, give me a sign. He let, get up, left the Catholic church, went shopping. And in the shopping mall, someone handed him a flyer, a leaflet that said, if you're looking for a sign from God, this is it. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. That's not coincidence right here. That's Holy Spirit guiding people. Say, okay, you want, you want, okay, here it is. Here it is right now. I'm reminded of a time, Pastor Victor, he's in Grays, he's one of our pastors, he's in a city called Grays down south. He was on outreach and he was slow, there wasn't much response, there wasn't much people there, he wasn't really feeling it and he felt the Spirit of God say, go down to the station and he's he's fighting with it, who's at the station? The station's always dead and he kept on feeling, go down to the station. So he said, fine and he took himself to the station and lo and behold, there was nobody there and he's thinking, see, this what I thought nobody's going to be here and he looked and there was just one woman at the station at the train station she was there sitting on the, on the bench and he thought well there's no one else here I might as well go and speak to this lady and as he speaks to the lady tells her about Jesus Christ and she begins to burst out in tears and he doesn't know what's going on and he continues to tell her about the love of Christ and she had to stop him and said listen I don't know what sent you here but the reason I'm sitting here on this bench is because I'm waiting because in five minutes the train is about to come and that's the train I'm just about to throw myself in front of them if you'd have waited five more minutes or even six more minutes I'll be dead right now but here you are telling me that Jesus loves me she got powerfully saved her she came to the church brought her husband came to the church he got saved their kids they came to the church they got saved why because the Holy Spirit directed the witness of a man and gave him the power to speak and the witness there was a divine appointment the Holy Spirit can divide or show us and give us divine appointments and the Holy Spirit will work through us. And it's something we should contend for. We want to see divine effectiveness. We want to see the power of God in us translate to somebody else. And we need to have a priority with this. So I want to close in a third point in talking about the priority of the Holy Spirit. You see, because it's foolish to attempt a supernatural work with a natural ability. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, he said to them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you undued, or sorry, until you are endued with power from on high. He said, wait in Jerusalem. Until you get the power, because what I have for you to do, you can't do that on your own strength. What I have for you, the job you have to do, it's not possible with your natural ability. I want you to go and turn the world upside down and you cannot do this using your own strength. So wait until you get the power from on higher. We need to be or we need to have that as a priority in our lives because Jesus said in John 15, 5, it says, I am divine. 
And you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do absolutely nothing. There needs to be some urgency and a priority in seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that results in a supernatural ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm staggered at the the, the statistics I was looking at, uh, uh, the percentage. They did a a poll in in, in the USA and the percentage of Christians, Bible-believing Christians who have never led someone to Jesus Christ. It was in the high 80%. Think about how many people that is in America who have never shared and led somebody to Jesus Christ. It's like, what are you doing? I know we thought Christianity was just for us and just for us to have a blessed life and live, uh, live in, the, you know, in blessings and then die and go to heaven. No, it's much bigger than that. What we're doing here is much bigger than this. And if you've come tonight with that realization, that expectation to say, God, bless me, bless me. Listen, there is room for that. But there is so much bigger than it. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is so much larger than than bringing increase to you and your family. Just bringing a blessing to you is so much larger than that. God can use you to touch a nation. Do you believe that? God can use you to touch an entire generation. But sometimes we function, we live our life with no power, like a car with no petrol. And if we don't have power, if we're not seeing, or if we're not having this burning desire, if we're not seeing divine effectiveness from our life, then we need to make it a priority to seek the Holy Spirit in all that we do. We need to make it a priority to have the Holy Spirit work through us, give us boldness, direct us, so we can be a witness for Jesus Christ. And not just a witness that has no power, but a witness that's able to stand and see divine results and see people added to the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, we know there's important characteristics in order to serve. We understand when the disciples got into a bit of a dispute about people serving food. He says, listen, we need to find people that will serve food. And we know the characteristics that they said that in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 3, it says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom who may appoint over this business. You need to have the Holy Spirit in anything we do as a Christian in order to go forward. Do you have this power? Do you see this power in your life? Have you seen the Holy Spirit work through you? If not, make it a priority to say, God, I want to have the dunamis. Go and I speak to people. I want to see lives changed. When I witness for Jesus Christ, I want it to be as if Jesus was still walking the earth. When I lay hands on sick, I want people to recover. When I declare the gospel, I, dis- I-, I want to see people say, oh, we're cut to the heart. What must I do to be saved? We need to seek it. We need to have it. And it needs to be a priority. That quote again in the, the beginning, I said, this generation is crying out for answers and the church is stuttering. What a horrible time that somebody can come to a church and not be on fire for Christ, not hear the gospel, but they hear something that's just palatable. <laughs> you know, I made a decision a long time ago. Uh, when I read through the gospels, 
And I saw sometimes, this is Jesus Christ, sometimes he said things that upset people. Anybody know that? Now listen, I'm not out here to upset people. I'm not here for confrontation. I'm not here for that. But if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, that means that sometimes I'm going to say some things that might upset some people. And I'm okay with that. Because Jesus said, listen, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. And I have to say, listen, if you're a Christian and you, 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 you've been involved in you're serving Christ and so on, but the world loves you, there's a problem. I don't want to preach doom and gloom to you, but I hope you catch what I'm trying to say. If the, world, if the world can fit in with what you're doing, what you're preaching, there's a problem. The power of the Holy Spirit is there and it convicts. It's there like a, like a sword and it's there to pierce. It's there not to make friends. Listen, it's there to make converts. And we need to have the power enable to, to, to enable us to be a witness for Jesus Christ. To stand up and declare and say, God did this. Thus says the Lord. And we're able to see lives transformed because of the gospel. We don't want to make it palatable. There was one, I want to finish with this kind of a, a, a illustration. I won't tell you the name of the preacher because it's, it's not, I don't want to kind of like, Oh yeah, look at him, look at this. But there was a preacher, he's a, he's a preacher in America, big church, uh, got a few campuses uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, he is he's coming out now to say that, you know, we support modern families. Um, we support modern families. Uh, uh, see, now in my, in my book, a family is a man and his wife and kids. That's a family, right? But apparently there's a thing called modern families now. Um, and he said, uh, one of the, the family came in and uh, they needed six seats because uh, it was a family of those six seats. Um, there was a, a woman um, and her ex-husband, that was two seats. They have a daughter, that's three seats. The woman had a boyfriend, that's four seats. Her ex-husband had a boyfriend also, <laughs> that's five That's five seats. Um, and the boyfriend was married to a, a woman. And he says, hey, that's the modern family. We serve you, we love you. Now listen, we love them too. But we love them enough not to keep them the same. Can you say amen in this place? I, I would love them too much to say, to say, listen, this is not correct. This is not right. And... They were serving in church and so on. They're, they're part of the team. They're part of the welcome team and so on and stuff like that. Um, there has to be a power to be bold enough to come against evil or to say this is wrong. To look even in the face and say this is wrong. Because there is an aggressive force against that. I don't know if you've noticed. There's an aggressive spirit against truth nowadays. That you can't, in, in school, you can't say certain things. In, in, in work, you can't say certain things. The, the world is aggressive against us. So we need a power to stand up with boldness and say, do what you're going to do with me. I'm going to stand for what is true. And when you read uh, the Gospels, when you read the book of Acts, you see that many of the disciples of Christ were imprisoned, were beaten, were killed because of what they said. Now, in this day and age, we're blessed not to have that type of persecution but they had something on the inside that was able to stand against the evil in the world. And church, that's what I want us to be stirred up with tonight. Stirred up with the power of the Holy Spirit.
that like Jeremiah, even if we don't want to say it, the word is like a fire shut up in our bones and we'll be weary trying to hold it back. We can't hold it back and we have to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Oh, can I get a witness in this place like the Americans will say? We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside us so we can be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's only by the power of the Spirit can we do what he's called us to do. Let's give him praise in this place. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to pray because this is something we've got to contend for and something we've got to prioritize. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Holy Spirit witnesses.